Today, this is episode three of Rail Talk with Shoe Smiths, and today I am delighted to be joined by Mike Noakes, who is the head of Rail for the newly formed Department for Business and Trade. I will avoid using any acronyms at this stage. Um, we're going to talk today about post-COVID challenges for UK Rail, as Mike, you and I spent an awful lot of time talking when we were locked away we a couple of years ago. Um, but first, why don't you introduce yourself and just give a bit of background as to what's your name and where you're from? Hi, yeah. Um, so very pleased to be here. Um, Mike Noakes, uh, I have been uh, head of rail at uh, the current uh, business and trade department and then its predecessor, Bayes, uh, for about crumbs, eight and a half years now. So I proceed Bayes as well. I was in biz. Um, we... Um, our interest is the supply chain. So DFT look after uh, how the rail, how the railway is run, standards, services, uh, so on and so forth. Uh, we're much more interested in the people who build the railway and what goes on it. Um, so a lot of folk in Derby and the northeast and elsewhere, um, infrastructure side, rolling stock side, signalling, and so on, um, and and. Basically, how we get to the stage where UK firms get a bigger share in the frankly huge annual spend on the railway. Um, so it is about UK content. It's not about buy British. It's about getting the UK supply chain in a in a place where they are highly competitive. Now, whether that's looking at doing um, net zero stuff, whether that's looking at skills, whether that's looking at the tech involved, um, anything we can do to help that kind of thing. Um, with a focus on um, more UK jobs, more better paid UK jobs, um, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a more productive UK rail supply chain for the greater good. See, I think there's going to be a whole load of people cheering at the back end of that. That's it. We're all going to have T-shirts made saying Be More Mike, because I think that that is going to be music to so many people's ears on the the kind of the work and the function of, of the UK uh, jobs market. And I mean, it's interesting because obviously now... And I'm going to get this the wrong way around now. The depart, DIT, DTI, whichever one it was, the export importing, they are now part of the Department for Business and Trade now, aren't they? So it is about that looking how we can strengthen UK business here and abroad, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, they they would claim we're joining them. Um, <laughs> Reverse mergers. Yeah, ab absolutely. It's, it's a theological question. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, U UK rail is notoriously bad at, and exporting, uh, if you look at the um, other uh, SIT codes um, related purely to rail. Uh, the fact that half the UK activity probably goes through construction or goes through consultancy or goes through whatever else um, tend, tends to be forgotten. Um, and we've also been in a place where, you know, we all know the French by French, the Germans by German, um, Spanish by Spanish, and so on and so forth. And the UK has been almost militantly um, level playing field um, mm -hmm. about our own market. Um, again, we can have a theological discussion about what the EU procurement regs did and didn't say and how we applied them and so on and so forth, but that should all be in the past. So um, looking very much at how we can uh, ensure there's a proper level playing field uh, in the UK, and then how do we actually export properly? Um, and whether it be expertise, whether it be actual stuff, um, how do we support that? How do we um, leverage uh, the expertise in DIT um, for the benefit of the supply chain? 
And I think it is about the exporting rather than what's happened in the past mm. is that we've, we've had that kind of talent drain, haven't we? we have, <laughs> we've seen an awful lot of very talented engineers go to whether it's China, whether it's Australia, whether it's the Middle East, whether they're obviously building new railways at a rate of knots over there. So it, it's about that making sure it's business here, but that's exporting. Yeah, I mean, you've, you've, you've got to accept that um, senior engineers are a peripatetic bunch at the best of times. It's, it, it, it's part of the gig. Um, equally, you want to be doing stuff in the UK that attracts them back here. Um, and this is, this is part of the whole confidence thing. You know, you want to be, you want to be giving companies the confidence to invest in the UK. Um, and we could wang on about our NEP and everything else and so on. We all know that, um, I should say at this stage, these are personal views rather than those <laughs> of my department, um, which is only three days old. So or, or probably, the wider government. Or the wider government. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> it's all I did just at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's, it's, it, it is, it, it, the, 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 this is, this is the kind of view from the hill, really. Um, we, you know, we need to make the UK market attractive, mm-hmm. and part of that uh, is 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 giving investors confidence yeah. um, and giving the supply chain confidence to invest in kit and inv- invest in skills. You know, if you, you've got a, if you think an apprenticeship is four years, give or take, um, and Neil Robertson's NSAR numbers point to business confidence being somewhere shy of eighteen months, okay. um, you've you know you've got a basic dissonance there. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so as I mentioned at the start of this, you and I spoke an awful lot during lockdown. Um, Acknowledging that you're not DFT, um, what do you see that the rail market looks like post-COVID? I mean, I think in the sort of storming, forming, norming sort of model, I think we're barely into forming. I know a lot of people say, well, no, look, you know, the, the commuter market's back to 85, whatever percent. Um, yeah, it is now. Um, I don't think that people have really, I don't, th- I don't think people have really processed quite how hybrid working actually works. Um, there will, in a lot of instances, have been a great enthusiasm to flood back to the office for the you know, the socio-psychological yep. benefits, and there are undoubtedly benefits of people getting together. Equally, um, I mean, speaking as one who's through complicated domestic circumstances is largely a home worker, I can make a lot of things work really well from Winchester. Mm. And Winchester is not a great rail centre. Um, <laughs> it's the wrong side of the hook landslide, apart from anything else. Um, so I, 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 think, I think we're still in a, very sort of, in a very sort of turbulent time when it comes to predicting future rail use. But this is a massive opportunity. So Ella, it, this, is, this, this is the time for rail to really model its offer on, on, on what, what we think the market might like and actually drive the market, be attractive. Absolutely. Um, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Um, on on a, another podcast that I've mm. done, episode two, which is coming out um, very soon, um, Simon Higgins and I spoke about, you know, almost needing that rail marketing board. And it's interesting, <laughs> you know, when you look at the hybrid working, um, I'm starting to hear of some big businesses who are cancelling working from home and they are starting to request some businesses that I was quite surprised by, actually, some of the yeah. tech businesses wanting people back in the office. But I think you're right. There's still that shifting plate at the moment as mm. to what is hybrid working, what what's it going to look like? And that's why looking that bit further forward, so it's not about looking mm. next year or the year after, yeah. it's, it's about 10 years' time because, you know, generations far younger than 
both of us, you know, aren't so keen necessarily on passing driving tests anymore. It's not, mm. it, you know, driving a car isn't the be all and end all to, to it was when mm. I turned 17. That's for sure. It's and, and actually having that public transport open and available to them, which has got the mm. environmental benefits that we could sit mm. and do a completely separate session on that rail delivers. Um, we've got an opportunity. Mm. I think I think there's something else too. So I mean, I'm I'm inevitably quite focused on heavy rail because most of the jobs are there and most of the money's there, and I use it and so on and so forth. Um, but you also look at the sort of light rail offer, and you get into um, the sort of regional mer- uh, metro mayoralty deals um, potentially in play now, which could start putting trams in place, which gives you something close to a guaranteed journey time, which buses don't. Mm-hmm. I don't think so, anyway. Um, so it's, 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 it's a, it, I think it's a much broader, more interesting palette now than it ever was before mm-hmm. COVID, where basically, you know, the deal was um, southeast commuter peak time traffic funded a lot of the rest of the country. Um, East Coast and West Coast mainline probably funded themselves. I can't remember whether they did or not. Um, but the rest was subsidised by the southeast. Well, we're not in that place anymore. No, not by a long chalk. And we need we need we need to understand that and understand how to be attractive. Mm. And I've I've got no particular panacea or answer to that. But that's the challenge. It, it is, and it, it is that looking that bit for, mm. further forward, isn't yeah. it? And it's, and it's interesting. I know we were doing something not so long ago, and, and we were talking about patronage numbers, and it's kind of. But when was that? When was the baseline for mm. that? When were people looking? Because mm. let's face it, an awful lot of the new projects that are coming online mm. for rail were based on the, the or, you know the crisis we had in terms of capacity mm. and the build up yeah. to COVID. And that perhaps isn't there anymore. Although I do have to say, I mean, I, I use the East Coast Main Line and the last few times mm. I've been on the train this morning included, it has been very busy. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of more, I'm more interested in what heavy rail especially can do to link up northern cities and whether that's northern powerhouse, transport for the north, whichever sort of iteration it is, I don't know. But if you look at what the Dutch did back in the crumbs at 70s and 80s, um, properly linking up um, they're major cities, twenty mm-hmm. odd cities, and it's it's not all fallen apart since through overuse, but it's it's mm-hmm. it's, it's worn. But nonetheless, the uptick in yeah. in productivity as a result of exposing more people to more opportunities with better jobs um, was absolutely palpable. So why shouldn't we be doing that with Leeds and Manchester and Newcastle and Sheffield and other northern cities? I'll now miss out and cause a fence over. Uh, well, um, I was going to say, don't forget Nottingham and all Well, no, no, indeed, so, Nottingham, Derby and wherever. <laughs> Are you a northern city? Well, East Midlands, East debatable, Midlands. debatable, isn't yeah. it? It's debatable. Yeah. But I but, know that yeah. kind of without going into the economics of HS2, mm. you know, that, that was what mm. the main focus was mm. going to be on when you got beyond... Birmingham, yeah, yeah. you know, to have that spur to go across to Nottingham, Derby, mm. that way, and the link up to Sheffield, absolutely, you mm. know, job development and job creation yeah. um, that that you could have is huge. So we bring it back to talking about COVID, which just and all things horrible, because that's what I seem to spend a lot of my time doing yeah. at the moment. So we've had COVID. There are so many challenges facing the supply chain. It must feel like every week there is something new. I mean, I am still on the lookout for those four horsemen because, Mm. you know, we've got COVID, global economic crisis, raw materials, shortages, lead times, chips, not not the tasty eating ones, but the Mm. other ones, Um, energy, Mm. which obviously has been a focus that that your previous department spent a lot of time Mm. 
um, looking at. And then, you know, the small matter of a war. Mm. What else is going on out there that's affecting businesses that you're seeing at the moment? Because there's probably a number of things yeah. that, I, that I'm missing. And the underlying thing is the lack of certainty that actually justifies investment. Mm. Um, you know, if you don't know you're going to be in in the, if you don't know you're going to be in the frame for a contract in in coming years, you're thinking about retrenching yeah. rather than um, rather than investing. Um, and actually, it's worse than that, because actually, if you know you're not in the frame, you know how to retrench and go on rather than hanging on to the last possible moment and then chucking everything over the wall, mm. um, which must be an horrendous place to be. I mean, I have never run an SME mm. um, or even worked for one come to that. But the sort of day-to-day nature of things, um, when you really don't have that level of certainty, um, and it can only be corrosive. Um, and that's a real worry. Um, I mean, what do we do? What do, you, what do we? I mean, government-wise, there's. I, I, I am of the view that we can, we should better provide greater certainty, and that should be part of GBR's job. Um, there's an awful lot we can do at GBR. As I, was, I was told this morning at the Rail Hundred Breakfast, without legislation, let's get on with it. Absolutely. It, 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 you know, if you want to cut costs, give people certainty because they will invest. If you don't, then things get more expensive. Yeah. Absolutely. And and I think that that is, it, it's coming out and it's not just about, if we look at the rolling stock side, it's not just about brand new shiny mm. trains. No. It's about refurb work yep. that's coming out. It's about, yep. you know, changes in maintenance structure. It's it's about, um, you know, giving more freedom to the tocks yep. to place orders for, for parts rather than it being one off, two off, three off, which quite frankly, in most cases is, is you know, I mean, to so do to difficult. do. To do to do upgrades, to do refurbs, to make trains more attractive, because part you know part of the gig for getting more people back on the railway um, is making the trains more attractive, um, make the prices sort of competitive, and make the service reliable. Yes. If you've got those three, you know you should be away and running. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. It's uh, it, it is, and you know, and obviously I speak to an awful lot of the SMEs, both wearing my Shoesmith hat and also my Rail Forum hat, and I think it is. It's that what you know we hang on, we hung on through COVID, yeah. we hung on through this, we hung on through that. We just need some orders now. We just need things coming out, and it's it, you know it is. It's that it's that level of certainty, and the hope has got to be that that is what GBR yeah. starts giving to people. Yeah. And obviously, they're, they're starting to have the engagement with the supply chain, which is hopefully going to help. But it, it does still come down to orders, doesn't oh, it? I mean, I mean, well, one of the, I mean, I, I, in a very disloyal way, I asked a question of Rufus Boyd this morning about how we are going to get um, the um, the supply chain around the table full time, not in GBRTT and sounding boards. Actually, once GBR's there, because you know, when we privatise the railway. We flogged off a lot of the expertise. That was the gig, mm. you know. And it, the private sector has taken that expertise to places we would never have dreamed yeah. of. So not having them round the table as a permanent feature, just so you understand the art of the possible, um, strikes me as self-defeating. It's the art of the possible, but it's also the art of the impossible. Yeah, oh, absolutely. It's, it's the, you know, you, you can't get things delivered within... <laughs> A minute or no. two minutes or whatever no. the lead time. The lead time is what the lead time is yeah. for all the reasons that we've just spoken about. Yeah, exactly so. You know, whether it's because of the shortage of raw materials or whether it's yeah. because of the war in Ukraine. And and I think that sometimes, you know, one of the things mm. that you and your team are excellent at is is having that feedback, you know, and that, mm. that conversation with the supply chain. But it needs to be recognised 
throughout. And it's interesting. I mean, obviously, we've we've got the new procurement regs coming out yep. soon, working on call for evidence at the yep. moment. Uh, I think the last committee stage is in next week, if I'm right. I'll take you all there for this. Yep. Um, and then Brexit Freedom Bill. True title, which I keep forgetting. Brexit Freedom Bill, I just yep. keep calling yeah, we'll it. Call it I, I mean, yep. um, you know, goodness knows. But if that's going to come on board end of this year, or as in it's going to take effect mm. from the end of this year, that's going to have huge ramifications for the supply chain. And I don't think people appreciate at the moment no. just how big those changes are. Well, and again, it, it, it plays into certainty. I, I forget who it was said the UK has become uninvestable, but it was, who was it? It was, it was somebody serious and respectable, so not me. Um, <laughs> because there are those levels of doubt and uncertainty, all of which drive cost. Mm. Um, Interestingly, you know, we're hearing of, of large foreign companies who will use English law as being their default setting for their mm. commercial contracts, now asking whether it is a reliable source yeah, to have well, they are. jurisdiction yeah. against. I mean, I think on the, the Brexit Freedom Bill, something that needs to be really taken into account is that a lot of commercial contracts have Brexit event provisions in them. Oh, that's interesting. That anything, yeah. that is, anything that happens on a change of law point of view that is derived from Brexit and the act of us leaving the EU is not a change in law provision, is not a force majeure event. That means it's going to be borne by the supply chain. Yeah. So, so I, you know, I would personally urge anybody looking at standards, you know, regulations, whether they're employment, whether they are rail specific, whatever they are, yeah. to bear that in mind mm. that yes, this would be the perfect opportunity to make wide scale changes to standards that we're not happy with but we need to just think who's going to bear the cost of this. Yeah. And also the time, you know, we're, we're mid February, mid to late February mm. now. Um, if all this has got to be done by the end of December, mm. how, how long are SMEs in particular going to have to, yeah. to kind of make all the changes? Oh, no, indeed. Yeah, no, no, I mean, I mean my, my, sen my sense for self-preservation probably forbids me commenting um, in any, in any depth on this, but... <laughs> Yeah, it's it is it it is it is it is a certainty and a confidence thing. Yeah. Um, I also debate how. So you know, we, we, we've been we've been working through sort of changing standards for a while, and there's been things like why do things have to be steel when very clearly they don't have to be steel; they could never be composites, which is much better for reasons A, B, and C. Um, and that's fine. But actually, you look at the sort of reg, more regulatory end of things. Are we that far off where we want to be? Probably, I don't know. Probably not. You know. I mean, it's, it becomes a fetish after a while. Again, I'm probably getting into territory where I don't want to be. <laughs> well, we, we do, well, I mean, I can say that, mm. that from my view of things, I, we have been known to gold or platinum plate mm. things yeah. in the past. Yeah. And as you say, when we went back to procurement, you know, playing things in a very straight mm. bat. So it's, yeah, let's, mm. let's wait and see what happens. I mean, another thing that obviously you touched um, when you made reference to Neil earlier on, but mm. notwithstanding all of these things going on, the skills shortage is, mm. is getting to a pinch point, isn't mm. it? Isn't it something like in eight years' time, we've, we've got a need for something like 50,000 new engineers or something yeah. ridiculous like yeah. that? Yeah, I mean, and, and, and there, there literally isn't the population available to do that. Um, yeah. So um, a more enlightened approach to how we resource the economy skills-wise is needed. 
absolutely. And, and noticing as well that there is a change in the skill set mm. needed for the railway. Yeah, we're all, yeah. I mean, it is becoming more digital, less spanners. Yeah. And, yeah. and it, you know, again, I speak about this mm. in, in another podcast that I've done, but we need to make ourselves more mm. attractive. Well, on the, I mean, I mean, the, 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 the upside of it going more digital, less spanners is you inevitably um, attract a broader um, spread of people gender-wise. Yeah. You, you know, the, 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 the prospect of lying under a class whatever in the mud, tightening spanners, tightening nuts, may not be attractive um, to some women. <laughs> to, or to um, anybody. Or to honest. anybody, but particularly, you know, <laughs> smaller, less physically strong people. Is, is, that, is that what one's allowed to say? Probably. Whereas if you can do it with a laptop and plug it in, yeah, um, yeah it, is, it is, you've got a much, a much broader offer to people and a much broader um, market to look at. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we've we've touched a little bit on Great British Railways, which after the Bradshaw mm. address last week, we know that it's got government backing. Yep. Um, so hopefully it's it's going to happen again. We haven't got the certainty at the moment as yep. to when. Yep. Um, what else do you think that GBR can bring to the party that we're missing at the moment? And again, we're back. We're back to certainty and predictability and a plan. Um, sort of when when stuff should be happening. You know, at the end of the day, government sticks ten billion quid into the railway every year, give or take, mm. um, which attracts however many billion from from other sectors. There's loads of money around. It's not always in the right place, not always at the right time. There's a lot of money around, but we need that predictability to invest on the strength of it. Mm. Um, and it is it is that definite plan. Yeah. That you can actually look at and say, right, yeah, I I went on a, I went on a um, short week high speed tour of German rail engineering in about two thousand and oh, crumbs fifteen sixteen. I need to ask whether this is business or pleasure. I, well, yes. <laughs> or is it a bit of both? So the railway is both, isn't it? Um, <laughs> with a with a chat from former UKTI. So it was before DIP became a thing. Um, <laughs> And I mean, we went from the Dutch border right down to sort of Munich and Nuremberg and everything. And we we were talking to I forget who, and we said, you know, so what do you what what do you um, how do how do you how do you judge whether whether to invest? They said, well, we will know that Dusseldorf will be ordering new trams in eighteen months' time. So we'll pitch for that. Uh, but we'll know also that if Dusseldorf, we don't get the Dusseldorf ones, there'll be ones in Hanover. And if also, shortly after that, there'll be those in Cologne. And shortly after that, there'll be those in Mainz and so on. So, you know, we know if we get to the third one, the, ca the capacity in the market will have reduced such that we will be the top bidder. Yeah. So it's still worth our effort, yeah. you know, still, still worth doing. And we don't have that here. No. And so they invest on the basis of reasonable business certainty. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, I mean, anybody who's been to Inatrans knows the German rail engineering industry is a truly daunting beast. Yeah. It is monstrous. But that's because it's grown over years and years and years with levels of confidence. And then, you know, the lender funding and everything else is all a bit different and so on and so forth. But nonetheless, it is that basic confidence that allows them to move on. We're going to move on from, from all of this good stuff to a topic that I know is very close to your heart, which is what role can GCRE have to help the supply chain moving forward? GCRE. <laughs> GCRE, and I quote a quite well-known chief executive in the construction industry, is a game changer. Now, I am, sorry, GCRE, Global Centre of Rail Excellence. It is a twin 
electrified loop rail R&D testing and proving centre currently being built, uh, not a million miles from Merthyr Tidville, um, on an ex-open uh, cast coal mine um, around Oncloin, uh, if anybody knows that part of the world. Um, 700 hectares. Uh, there's one loop of about four kilometres, one loop of between six and seven. One will look at heavy, heavy uh, tonnage infrastructure testing. The other is rolling stock. Um, nowhere in the world has this uh, combination of capability other than the Colorado desert. Um, Colorado desert doesn't get frantically cold or wet or snowy at any stage. This is just south of Brecon Beacons. <laughs> so if you're looking at harsh weather testing, you don't need to go to Velim anymore. Um, it 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 will it will offer a literally world class um, everything in one place rail development offering. So from the actual testing and breaking of stuff through to um, uh, the regulatory side, standard certification, everything will be in 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 one place. It will make. A monstrous difference. I mean, I am I am too old, and I've been disappointed too often to <laughs> indulge in excessive hyperbole. But this has the feel of being the real deal. Um, so Bayes, as was, uh, put twenty million capital in, um, which triggered uh, fifty million from the Welsh government and probably some more. And we are now out to the market for another hundred and no, two hundred and something, um, which gets you. A pretty all singing, all dancing um, facility. Also supported by the University of Birmingham and Ukraine, um, sort of manage the innovation end of things. Um, it'll be SME accessible, um, et cetera, et cetera. I think that's the key thing, isn't it? It's the mm. SME yep. accessibility, which yep. when we've had test tracks in the past, it's, they yeah. haven't been. Yeah, yeah, no, very, I mean, but one of the joys of working with the, with the Welsh government is they are a lot more prescriptive on what things need to do. Um, I mean, their um, equality, uh, diversity and inclusion um, prescriptions make UK government seem quite quite modest. Um, their, their future generations legislation uh, is quite scary. Mm. But they're also very, very, very keen on getting SMEs through. So that is, I say the location um, is really helpful from that yeah. point of view. Um, it's also relatively easy to get to. It's 20 minutes from Neath Station. They're sorting out the road up from Cardiff. They're sorting out the head of the Valleys Road across from Birmingham. Um, yeah, it is. It, it has huge potential. And you've got interests from Network Rail. You've got interests from most of the major OEMs. Um, HS2 are interested, so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, also looking at green power generation there. 700 hectares, you can do a lot. You can do a lot. And, and they're going to have training facilities there yep. as well, aren't they? Yep. And, and as I say, SMEs can go and kind of display yep. their wares. Yep. It was so that when you have got some of the, mm. you know, the big customers there, they've got a way to display it to them. Yeah, no, so we've we've currently got um, 8 million quid of um, R&D grant funding um, in competition at the moment. But there'll also be an opportunity if you want to put your stuff in and show off um, as, as the thing's being built. Um, which will go on. So full commissioning is until 2025. Um, there is an opportunity to go and show off your stuff. And all of that information, information rather, is available on their website, isn't it? It is. Yes. It is. And, and we, also the R&D funding applications yeah, as well, isn't it? Yeah. And we can put you in touch with GCRE people very yeah. easily. Yeah. Fabulous. Have we got anything else that we need to cover? I mean, I'd like to say that we've solved all of the rail industry <laughs> problems today, but... Um, 
Certainty. That's what we need, isn't it? It's certainty. It's it's timetable. Yeah. And the worst the worst thing is without a plan and a timetable, when there's sort of then short term demands to do stuff, risk premium go through the roof, um, your productivity isn't what it should be, and all the things that you would love to supply, you can't because the risk is too great. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I sit, you know, <laughs> I sit here with a very with a very small budget and a very small team, <laughs> and I understand DFT and HMT have bigger problems than I do, but some of it I think is quite straightforward. Yeah. So we need a plan and we need that timetable and that will give confidence not only to business investors but also to passengers yeah. as well because they know that there is going to be a train that can take them exactly where they so. want to go when they want to do it. And we haven't even touched freight yet. Um, you know, the, 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 the opportunity to decarbonise UK transport um, and it's a worry really because if you take, take lorries off the road it's more attractive to cars and you don't want to do that. But nonetheless... This is true, and, and you know, bearing in mind that I used to commute to Washwood Heath quite regularly, the M42 was not my friend. No, purely and no. simply for lorries. But you should be getting, you know, bulk transport should be on the railway. Absolutely, absolutely. That better better connection with the ports. Exactly so. Yeah. Getting everything lined up, and so there was the stats that I saw the other week. What is it? Seventy-seven lorries. For oh yeah, 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 yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. So there you go. That certainty, that plan is going to solve all of our problems. There That's you are. all we need to do. Jobs are good. Fabulous. Thank you ever so much for that, Mike. Lovely Absolutely to see fine. you. Always good. <laughs> Thank you. Bye.